Welcome to ESMA Open Podcast. Today, it's my great pleasure to interview Professor Schmidt on the ESMA 2018 Presidential Symposium talk, Primary PFS and Safety Analysis from the Impassion 130, a global randomized double-blind phase three study of atezolizumab plus napaclitaxel versus placebo plus napaclitaxel in treatment of naive, locally advanced or metastatic triple negative breast cancer patients. Welcome, Professor Schmidt. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you very much. So, first question, how does the PSF and the response rate differ between the atelizumab plus napaclitaxel-treated patients and the placebo group in the present study? So, the trial was designed to test whether the addition of the immune checkpoint inhibitor atezolizumab to standard chemotherapy, in this case with napaclitaxel single agent, could improve progression-free survival and overall survival knowing that the standard of care for metastatic triple negative breast cancer at the present time is, is, is generally single-agent chemotherapy. And we normally would expect uh, medium progression-free survival for standard chemotherapy around five months and an overall survival at the moment between 12 and, and, and 18 months. The trial results showed for the overall ITT population that in the control group, which was single-agent atezolizumab, or as it was single-agent napaclitaxel in combination with uh, placebo. The median progression-free survival was 5.5 months. In the combination with napaclitaxel and atezolizumab, the median progression-free survival was 7.2 months. That was a hazard ratio of 0.8, which was statistically significant. Equally important is in the pre-planned sub-analysis for patients with pedal one positive tumors, and that was defined as tumors where at least 1% of staining for PD1 positive immune cells was found. But in this subgroup, the hazard ratio was 0.62, and that was highly statistically significant. The median progression-free survival in PD1 positive tumors for patients in the control group with napaclitaxel alone was 5.0 months, compared to 7.5 months for the combination of napaclitaxel and atezolizumab. Response rates were analyzed both in the ITT population and in the pd one positive population. In the ITT population, there was a numerical difference, 56% objective response with the combination of atezolizumab and napaclitaxel compared to 46% for napaclitaxel and placebo. In the pd one positive subgroup, again, the numerical but not statistically significant difference according to the pre-specified boundaries with 59% objective response rate for napaclitaxel and atezolizumab, and 43% for napaclitaxel and paclitaxel. That also includes 10% of patients with a complete, complete clinical response versus 1% of patients in, in, in the control group. Wow, that are extremely interesting results. Um, did you have any significant differences in the side effect profile between the intervention and the control arm given the addition of atezolizumab? So there are differences in the side effect profiles, but I personally would uh, describe this, the side effect differences as relatively subtle. If you look at side effects where the difference in the incidence is more than, more, more, more than 5%, then we have a slightly higher rate of nausea, of course, or neutropenia in the combination. Most of the other side effects were relatively similarly distributed with, 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 with very small differences. If you look at the rate of possibly immune-related adverse events, um, these were 
relatively infrequent. What we did see was a higher rate of patients develop hypothyroidism, which is a well-known side effect uh, with immune checkpoint inhibitors of all classes. And we saw that in 17% of patients who received narpaclitaxel and atezolizumab, compared to 4% of patients who had narpaclitaxel and placebo. Thank you. You already pointed out that there were different responses between PDL1 positive and negative patients. Is there any further biomarker study going on? Is there anything on the horizon um, concerning the biomarker evalu uh, evaluation for immune checkpoint inhibitors in triple negative breast cancer? It's a really important question. And, and we previously studied biomarkers of response to single agent immune checkpoint inhibitors in in, in, in different studies, and those results were, were presented at previous meetings, and they were relatively inconclusive in, into which biomarkers can help identify the group of patients who respond to single-agent immune therapy. But in these now combination immune therapy, combination of atezolizumab and chemotherapy, the, the pre-planned first sort of biomarker with p positive seems to be highly effective in predicting which patients have the benefit of this treatment. There are additional biomarker uh, data planned and will be presented at, at San Antonio in December, which will include, for example, the uh, analysis according to tumor infiltrating lymphocytes, CD8 positive cells, to mutational uh, load to possibly BRCA status as well. And we will have to wait, obviously, for those results to see whether they will help us to even better characterize the patients who are driving the benefit of this combination therapy. So we are looking forward to this next analysis. So given the results of Impassion 130, what is the future of immune checkpoint inhibitors in breast cancer, and do we have a new treatment standard? I would hope so. Um, I, I, I think one of the, and for me personally, the most important results uh, we haven't mentioned yet, and, and, and as you were initially referring to progression of the survival response rate, I would like to point out that the early and, and at this point interim overall survival data are hugely encouraging and basically mirroring the data we see for progression-free survival. As the protocol had a hierarchical design in testing, we were only testing at that stage for a patient in the ITT population, where with a short follow-up and, and, and only about 40% of events being observed, there was uh, an observation of hazard ratio of 0.84, which did not meet the predefined boundaries uh, for, of statistical significance. Therefore, the subset analysis for positive tumors at this point is, is, is only exploratory or descriptive in terms of statistics. But what it does show that in patients who have positive tumors, the median survival in the control group was 15.5 months compared to 25 months in the combination group of narpaclitaxel and tesalizumab. And that is a hazard ratio of 0.62, obviously in a descriptive testing and not in confirmatory testing, but a very, in my opinion, very, very important, very encouraging early signal. Now, there are further survival analyses planned with, with, with more mature results where, where we would hope to see that the results will We'll, we'll, we'll basically further mirror what we saw in the PFS results. And I think that's an important point. We have, to date, not had a single targeted therapy in metastatic triple negative breast cancer that has shown to improve survival. Now, we have here a treatment that, although in descriptive analysis only, 
has the ability to increase the while from 50.5 to 25 months, which I do think is a, is a highly significant, clinically significant result, and in my opinion, should lead to a change in our treatment practice, provided obviously that the health authorities share the same view and these drugs, atezolizumab uh, is obviously will have to go through evaluation and authorities and provide these uh, authorities share the view of the drugs get licensed. I do think this will change the way we treat triple negative breast cancer. Thank you, Professor Schmidt, for sharing this new exciting data for us. And for all of you who are interested in to get to know more about this exciting study, check out the recent New England Journal of Medicine paper on Impassion 130. Thanks a lot. Thank you very much for your interest. <music>